Around the NFL Podcast. The NFL machine doesn't stop. Damn right. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hanson. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal. Greggy, Mr. Dependable. The Iron Horse, they call him. Uh, and joining us on a very special cut-down edition, unplanned initially, uh, edition of the Around the NFL podcast, and back, our old friend, the pipe, Nick Shook. Shooky getting some, gets pump in before, before he speaks his first words. I like the sound of those weights. Those are some old-school weights. That's the type of gym I prefer, the, the old, like, legitimate... Uh, metal plates, no, none of this rubber casing, nothing that Outta protects people. That. There's no handles on the weights. You can pinch and may, potentially sev- sever a finger yeah. or at least get a blood blister. You know, the real, the the gritty stuff. Wait, did you work out in the Browns facility and were there players who either were threatened by you or kind of wanted to show you like, hey, uh, Browns reporter, like you're not so tough. You know what so, I mean? As the legend goes, they used to allow employees to work in work out in the same gym, and then I guess somebody had taken food from the cafeteria and like left it out and made oh. a mess and just left it there. So they ended up when the Haslam's came in, they built a separate employee gym that is literally right next to the team's weight room and mm. attached to the field house. So technically, no, um, but I was right next door and I and I did um, you know get some activity on the indoor field house's field. And they weren't intimidated, but they like to point it out a lot. Um, yeah, that's actually, I was going to say, I bet they brought it up a lot. I bet Freddie Kitchens was like, hey, let's get this guy a blocking tight end. Let's see if he can move. Got a jersey yeah. for this guy. <laughs> right, it basically like was the opener for a lot of my conversations I had with players and got to know some of the guys. So I guess it was adv- advantageous in that regard. But ultimately, yeah, it, it, it's I mean, funny more than anything. Since Fred, And by the way, I think we have a lead there, Greg, with how, how did Shook come to leave the Browns? Uh, very quickly, maybe Shook left an Apple Corps uh, next to the bench press or something. But, um, you know, uh, Mark's not here, obviously, as he's getting better right now. Um, but remember a couple of weeks ago, we had that discussion about one and done head coaches. And uh, we, were, we were going down the list and we ended up uh, missing Freddie Kitchens, who's the most recent one and done coach. And, you know, Sessler, you know, Sessler knew it and he just didn't bring it up. He just didn't want to bring summon those those spirits, <laughs> the spirit of Freddie Kitchen. So when whenever Mark comes back, he has that to look forward to. I will have to bring that up with him because I mean the integrity of the podcast has to stand above fan leanings. Ultimately, I got to give Freddie Kitchen some credit too because even though he wasn't a very good coach and it's really disorganized more than anything, awesome guy, great guy to spend a few hours at a hotel bar on a road trip with. Although Ooh. to be you know to to close that circle, Steve Wilkes, I think is still the answer. Or no way, it was Freddie Kitchen's. After that, yeah, Steve was on <laughs> Freddie's staff. Oh my as God. a DC. <laughs> oh, Stevie. Um, all right. Anyway, so yes, uh, we were last with you on Monday, and we said we'd be back Thursday. And then I think Greg and I separately, maybe even at the same time, Greg, like ET style, realized, oh wait a second, wait a second, <laughs> the Tuesday's cut down day. They changed it. The schedule's a little different now. It's not that Labor Day weekend. It is now in the middle of the week. Uh, so here it is. The old school bunker cast. And we're just going to quickly shoot through the news, everything that's happened over the last uh, 12 hours or so. So, uh, great. Hey, Gravedigger, how you doing, buddy? Big performance, I thought, on the Monday show. A lot of buzz. 
about Gravedigger and Erica on a tropical vacation right now in the middle of our season. Uh, did you get any feedback, uh, whether internally or outside the building, about your performance? Yeah, I got a couple of people on Twitter who were excited to hear me on this show. That was cool. Not necessarily go. expected. My parents Revolution. were very proud. <laughs> I love it. The revolution is here with Justin Graver, the grave digger. Let's hit the news. It lurks in the shuttles. A five-ton red-eyed monster ready to crush its prey. It's Grave Digger, the high-flying, awe-inspiring megastar of motorsports. <laughs> and now all you need Justin to do now is isolate the grave digger vocal there. And there you go. There's the drop we talked about from earlier perfect uh, this week all right good all right let's get into it oh that tricky bill belichick uh he makes a move nobody saw coming releasing the patriots uh released cam newton their quarterback the starter that they re-signed in the offseason then they drafted mac jones of course in the first round and the two players are trading first team reps and going through the whole process through the summer uh, but at the end of the day, Bill Belichick decides the future is now. Mac Jones will begin the season as the starter. QB1 and Cam Newton, almost unbelievably, only a handful of years removed from being MVP in the league and one of the great dual threat quarterbacks the league has ever seen. On the eve of week one in 2021, he is out of work. Greg, when you saw this pop up on your phone or wherever, uh, were you shocked? <laughs> Take me through it as a Pats fan. I mean, I had mixed feelings. I was surprised he's not on the team. I I'm not. I wasn't that surprised that Mac Jones is the starter because I've been believing in Tom Curran, who watched him every day and thought it was decisive in practice. And then I watched the preseason. It's you know, it's one of the best rookie quarterback preseasons I've ever seen. PFF has it as the best rookie quarterback they've ever you know graded. So that part of it where Mac Jones wins the job doesn't shock me but the fact that brian hoyer is now one snap away does a little bit i you know that's brian hoyer still in that building isn't he like 50 years old at this point (laughs) like honestly listen shook another nice bald guy out of cleveland but come on can we calm down a little bit yeah i was gonna say that's an affront to to bald people everywhere (laughs) and especially northeast ohio natives who are bald but go ahead i mean yeah i don't i think i think it does fit though don't you think greg like if if you have to go from mac jones to somebody else wouldn't you prefer to go to a bro i know the skill level is not the same i don't think that has to do with it i think i'm it's just guessing i would you know we're taping this so soon after my guess is either it was mutual or that cam newton gave that you know hey do you, you want us to cut you now um and that Cam Newton would rather go back up Dak Prescott, maybe Russell Wilson, but I kind of expect Cam Newton to be on the Cowboys because it just makes too much sense from for everyone. Um, then he really wants to go back up uh, a rookie quarterback, and that Belichick also might have the feeling that I've been gassing this guy up as one of the great leaders you know, I've ever been around. He's got a lot of people who love him on this team that I don't think Cam Newton's going to be a problem, but that it's, it's almost a mixed message here. If this guy is our backup and he has so many people who, who kind of follow him, let's make, let's make a clean break of it. And Oh, by the way, you know, he's not vaccinated. So, all right, now let's hit that. I was going to hit that a little later, but since you brought it up, Bill Belichick is a man, as we know, who he's mercurial. He's someone who doesn't buy into excuses. He's a man who will send you home if you're late for 
a practice uh, during a blizzard outside. He's done it. That's the type of stuff Bill does. Do you think it is at all, can we connect the dots here, that in the middle of this heated battle for the job, Cam disappears with the excused absence tied to the coronavirus mix-up, that Bill Belichick could have said, you know what, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, I'm moving on. I don't put it past him, just going to say it. I mean, they've run into the situation a year ago. I mean, they, they had to go to Brian Hoyer in a key early game that kind of started a slide. Why would they put themselves in a position where they could potentially deal with that again? Is the backup in that proposed scenario, let's say Cam is your starter and the backup is Mac, is he better than Brian Hoyer? Yeah, but ultimately, you're still facing the the possibility of losing one or multiple quarterbacks in the regular season. Why run through that exercise again? Fool me once, shame on me, you know, so on and so forth. So... Yeah, I think that has that undoubtedly has something to do with it. Even if you could say, well, everything else that Greg just said, which I totally agree with, it's got to play a factor. It's more about Jones's play. Like that's the starting point. Like they, it, none, it wouldn't happen unless Jones didn't exceed some expectations, didn't play great in camp, didn't play great in the preseason. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's absolutely possible, Dan, that that was kind of the thing that put it over the top because it also gave Mac Jones a number of snaps in those joint practices, which Belichick takes very seriously, always says that's as important or more important than the preseason game. Everyone said that Mac Jones had the best day of his entire uh, training camp against the Giants in that second day of the of or the first day of their joint practices that he just lit it up. And then you look at like the way they were playing time in the in in the games like Mac Jones played a lot. He didn't play a lot with the starters, but he played a lot and they got to look at him a lot. And if it's that close and if Mac Jones was better in practice for the most part, I you know, it does it does make sense. The the part just as a fan that that bugs me is you had one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, whether it was Mac Jones or or Cam Newton, and now you have one of the worst. So I've heard some buzz that's like, well, they're actually higher on Jarrett Stidham than they used to be, and he's going to recover oh, from this it. back. He, oh, he's, please. I think he's going to IR, either short-term IR or PUP list. We haven't heard yet, and because he, he's coming off a of back surgery too, but that he'll be back at some point, and he'll be the backup, but, but the, I don't know. The Patriots are better with Cam Newton and Mac Jones on the roster. I think everybody can agree right. with that. So there's more to it, and it, I think, goes back to chemistry and, and what they want and how they want this kid to go into his rookie season in terms of not having to look over his shoulder. And I get that. Right. So you might be As like, like a leader, right? I right. mean, it had, and I think cam might've might've wanted it too, which makes sense to me too. Right. And it doesn't mean cam is like a cancer or anything like that. I think it was more just like, all right, we really do believe in this kid. And even if it ends up hurting us this year, if by leaving us a little vulnerable uh, behind him, if he gets hurt in the long run, it, it will help his development. So I think that's probably where it is. And ESPN dis- is reporting if the Cowboys will quote, begin exploring free agent Cam Newton. And it's <laughs> funny because he must those, have known. He must have known. Yeah. Like hard knocks um, this season. I was thinking about it because it's airing again tonight and I have to do the recap. I was thinking of mixing it up a little bit and just writing about here are some like real life football takeaways from the episode so far. And their backup quarterback situation has just been horrendous uh, throughout it, this It's camp. Cooper Rush. It's yeah. Cooper Rush. They thought it was going to be Gilbert or Danucci two or three weeks ago, and Cooper Rush is the one that's still on the roster right now. They, they cut the other two. Hey, yeah, there's the, one other the biggest, team, by the way. The yeah. biggest bummer with that is Cooper Rush had a great chance to actually prove something in that battle, which he took the lead the week prior in this past week. Uh, you know, granted, he's playing with the backups against a lot of Jacksonville starters. He was, uh, I, I wouldn't say terrible. It was He didn't even register a blip on anybody's radar. 
makes too much sense for everyone. Put put Cam Newton in there. If Dak was, misses some games, you're you're flying. I also wonder if the Seahawks would would think about it because it's like I don't know if Cam would want to back up Russell Wilson for some reason. But it's like I you know they could. Yeah, I love Geno and all, but that that situation could be upgraded for. There's sure. also another uh, AFC East team, Greg, that needs a backup quarterback with oh, experience. No. And how about <laughs> the playbook? How about learning more about that Patriots operation? Uh, the Robert Sala defense. That would bother me. I've had staff. mixed feelings because it's like <laughs> that would that would really bother me. I t- I said midseason I wanted Cam to be the starter and for them to roll because I've always been a Cam fan and it would just shut up all these Patriots fans who who hated Cam. I don't know if you remember my team slogan uh, for 2021. <laughs> real real ones can go back and listen, but yeah, that's you you could feel that today in Boston. I can't tell you how uh, like overly excited everyone is. Um, I had a similar slogan. It was Mac Jones Cohen. Now that's more like it. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Patriots, uh, more big news around that team. They have placed their all-pro cornerback, Stefan Gilmore, the former Defensive Player of the Year, on the reserve pup list. Uh, and he, that means he's out the first six weeks of the regular season. It's connected to a quad injury that's been an issue for him since last year. And um, obviously losing Gilmore for any period of time is going to hurt Bill Belichick's defense. But I, I, I wonder this, uh, Shook, how much does the injury tie into the ugly contract situation and vice versa? Uh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, if he's going to be back in supposedly three weeks, PUP gives him a little bit more of a buffer to potentially get back fully healthy. But you have to also wonder if this is kind of the response to, you know, the whole you know, I'm, not, I'm unhappy with my contract. I either want more money or I want a long-term deal. I think it works out for Gilmore because at least it helps him ensure that he's healthy and, and kind of avoid the risk of a re-injury. Still get you right. There's there's got to be there's got to be some sort of factor into that. The fact that they have not been on the same page for this entire summer and, and he didn't participate in any of camp and isn't going to be able to play for you know the first month plus. Well, he's getting paid, but he's not getting that raise that we thought he might get. At least right. not yet. With that, when wouldn't shock me torn quad is one of the worst injuries a football player can have um not many have it and sometimes it's really hard to come back from so that's been a little under the radar he did have surgery on that after the season and that's that's a brutal injury but you know putting him on the pup list feels like uh like kind of kicking the can like if you're stefan gilmore you don't want to risk coming back too early if they're not going to pay you and and i have asked around about this and it it's both sides seem like they think it's a game of chicken like gilmore doesn't want to go on the field unless he gets his money and the patriots don't like they would consider giving him some money but they don't want to do it until they see him on the field and even if like putting yourself in gilmore's shoes if he's if he's disenfranchised and he feels like he's going to be somewhere else next year and he's looking to get a He's going to be uh, 31, or he's entering his 30, age 31 season. If he's looking to get that one last multi-year contract, are you going to go on the field at 75 or 80 percent to start the right. season when you feel like there's a chance you could rip that quad up and blow your value? Um, tough situation Th- there. Something things change fast. Their cornerbacks, to me, looks like the biggest weakness of a otherwise really promising looking defense. Their number two cornerback is Jalen Mills. Their number three outside cornerback. They, you know, they have a good slot guy in Jonathan Jones, the number three outside cornerback might not be on the team. 
Like it's a guy that maybe it's this guy Sean Wade who they just traded for from the Ravens, but that that's pretty rough. Like you know that that is that is where they will be attacked, I think, from by opposing quarterbacks like Tom Brady. By the way, you know, week four. Ooh, and it does go to show you, and this goes across all sports because you remember going into the season, it was like now the Patriots going to get back all these guys uh, from the COVID opt out, and everything is going to be locked and loaded. But you know what? Then the season starts to take shape and everything is different every single year. You can never make predictions uh, in March. Let's get into more pup list news. Michael Thomas, the superstar wide receiver and former offensive player of the year. We were reminded on Monday's show uh, <laughs> reportedly will start the season on the PUP list that will take him out of the first six games of the season. You know, this one surprised me a little bit shooky because um, I thought it was already kind of like a done deal. Just like the, the way everything had been explained with the late nature of the surgery and Sean Payton being ticked off about it. I kind of, in my mind had already processed he was going to be on the pup list, but nothing had been officially announced. Well, I still don't know if it's been officially announced, but uh, Adam Schefter says, okay, so he is out six weeks, at least with his ankle. So it's an injury suffered week one, 2020 and now it's going to eat up a portion of his 2021 yeah and this is like an ongoing saga at this point because he's been displeased with his situation for a while now and as we all know he loves to tweet about it you know just a bunch of subtweets, you know vague statements that that indicates that he's unhappy and and now he i don't know if you could necessarily say that he botched his whole injury situation but it's more on him than it is on the Saints at this point waiting to get that surgery done and and even um, you know the way he went about his offseason so it costs him time it costs the Saints their best receiver again and now with a new quarterback they're going to be forced to adjust luckily they've had the entire preseason to kind of plan for it because he hasn't been around but ultimately when you're looking at them on paper and you're going to the regular season you obviously would want to have Michael Thomas on your team as opposed to not. It just like gives a bigger runway for Marquez Callaway to be the number to be the new All Pro. Uh, I was going to say there's so much hype around Cal- Callaway the last couple of weeks. I feel like is is that going to feel like an August thing that we all kind of smirk at in a couple months, or do you think this guy's going to step in and play like a pro bowler? I think he'll be solid, but it's a lot yeah. to ask. I think he could put up 800, 900 yards, something like that, which is amazing for a second year undrafted guy I don't know if you, you can't expect him to be enough but he's the, he is their number one and they're gonna throw the ball they do have I I think I haven't checked the Brandon Thorne rankings he's great on offensive line play so shook they would be my pick as the the number one offensive line in football and um Cesar Ruiz their first round pick who was kind of a uh, their worst player last year on their offensive line reportedly looks way better and suddenly so okay now you're fitting that the one guy that wasn't that good suddenly like that is an awesome offensive line that'll help Jameis out a lot yeah um I would definitely put them in at least the top three if not the number one spot I think those top three teams some have some questions the Patriots are also up there if they can actually get healthy seasons out of guys like Isaiah Wynn but um and and I also would put the Browns probably in top three top four if they can also be healthy all you know across the starting line although of course you would of course yeah oh yeah okay you know but Jedrick Wills he needs to be better he needs obviously be better but yeah I mean you you trot that starting lineup out there in they were the best last year they would they finished with the the belt so I think that's that's we're about to we're about to talk about another good offensive line at Green Bay, but sh- but Shook, did you happen to catch Monday's show when both Rosenthal and Claibon did not um, predict the Browns to the playoffs? But I did. Did you happen to catch that show? Wow, you know, Dan, I got to tell you, if I had to pick anybody on this podcast, <laughs> and even with the rotating cast of guests, yep. you're last. You're the last yep. person I would pick to do that. So can't put me in a box. You. 
Yeah, good well, on you. I, I regret it. This is going to be a whole thing. Mark doesn't need to find something to he has sparrows. Um, be annoyed with, you know, by me. But now this is this is going to be hanging over. He's it, every time the Browns win, and they'll probably win like twelve games. They'll just be like just to oh stick it to you. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, I'm a little scarred from last year because the jadedness in me and my brain led me to believe that the Browns weren't going to beat the Steelers in the playoffs, um, mm. and I picked against oh, them, and, famously, and I had to yes. hear it from oh, Browns fans right. everywhere. That and was then terrible. It, well, yeah. no, but then I'm, I'm juxtaposed against Sessler, who's like, fly into the night, Browns all the way, <laughs> and into the the end of the earth and the end of days, they're going to lead us there. So I was the bad guy no matter what. So now we're you know we're releasing predictions yeah. from all the analysts yeah. to see where I put the Browns. Yeah, you're going okay. to the, oh, put them in the Super Bowl. That yeah. was part of it, is I wanted to sprinkle some wild right. card love to some other teams, and it's like, you Did know, you, even if you don't totally buy that, it's the most likely thing. Shook, it's ain't ancient history at this point, but did you have the Browns beating the Chiefs in the uh, divisional playoffs? No. I, no. <laughs> I, I, and they didn't, and I, and I don't feel bad Nailed about it. that. Brain um, over heart. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari, one of the best in the game. Shook, maybe the best left tackle in the league? I don't know. You tell me. At will one remain time. on the physically unable to perform list to start the regular season. If you remember, he tore his ACL uh, late last season. So he's out the first six weeks. Uh, the team was optimistic earlier in the spring that he was going to be ready for week one. There was that, you know, as all players are coming back from ACL tears, he was ahead of schedule. Uh, but turns out he's more on a typical schedule, which means... He'll be without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Will be without his blindside protector for nearly half the season. Yeah, these these pup list news I think was ultimately bigger than a lot of the cuts. Yeah, the cuts are the cuts are interesting. But Gilmore and Bakhtiari, especially, you didn't know what was going to happen with them too. And those are two All Pros, first team All Pros. You can't you can't replace that. I, I'm a little anxious about the Packers' offensive line. I think they're fine at left tackle where uh, Elkton Jenkins. Seems like he can do anything, and he he's moving from center and guard to left tackle, and he's going to make himself a ton of money. I think he'll one day be one of the highest-paid players in the league. Uh, but the rest of the guys on that offensive line are just kind of guys. Uh, How about this, you know, they, they're hoping that they're hoping the scheme makes up for for that. Shook. Yeah. The, what about the idea, the track record of the Packers, at least especially recently in developing talent on their offensive yep. line and plug finding ways to to get by? I think organizationally, maybe they deserve the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I mean, developmentally, to a degree, also their scheme helps in the fact that they play with Aaron Rodgers, who is a master of navigating mm, the pocket. I mean, they don't they don't set typical pass pockets. They don't. They it's it's more of a fluid type of thing where Rodgers is allowed to feel and and maybe escape from time to time and deliver mm. the football, and it, and it helps those guys. I guess kind of avoid the the type of plays that would put them uh, on a highlight for all the wrong reasons too. We have a trade to talk about, and involves my New York Jets who send disappointing tight end Chris Herndon to the Minnesota Vikings for a draft pick to be named later. Uh, Herndon, once upon a time, a fourth-round pick in 2018, really flashed, and me and many other uh, Jets fans and other football observers saw him as a, a real hit for Mike Tannenbaum, a guy that they were going to build around with Sam Darnold. 
Uh, he had his 2019 season wiped out by a suspension and then an injury. And then he completely bottomed out in 2020 with a ton of drops and just was uh, had all sorts of issues. Uh, and he had been behind Tyler Croft on the depth chart this spring and summer. So the writing seemed to be on the wall. And now the Jets move on. The Vikings, uh, who just lost Irv Smith Jr. to a knee injury, have another option in that building. Yeah, it's it's a trade that makes sense because you have to replace him, and you replace him with a guy who has been a fantasy darling but hasn't really lived up to those expectations for the majority of his career. I mean, it's one of those things where a guy has a pretty solid rookie year, and then they just expect you, expect you to take the next step. So I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he was playing on the Jets, the most dysfunctional franchise in the last couple of years. So it's yeah. not like he exactly had a, a tailor-made situation for him to flourish, but I also don't expect him to necessarily follow in the footsteps where Irv Smith was trending toward, which was a potential breakout season before having his knee injury. It does make sense physically, like the type of player. We'll see you know, how, how quickly he can get up to speed and play a role. They are very thin in terms of their pass catchers. Irv Smith, the big loss, and the more you hear about this injury, it sounds like it could be a while. No one's put a projected timeline, but it's now, they're, now it sounds like it's like, uh, yeah, we don't know if and when Irv Smith is going to be back, which... Which is a bummer. You know, Dan, you, you kind of get, you know, we've sort of been a little more open with our just like rooting against each other's Jets, Patriots takes yes. and stuff. Just, just you know, let's just be honest. We've That's done fine. this for years. Sure. But one of the things that you do, you know, but in that situation is like every once in a while you see a guy on the other team, like I loved Herndon, and you just give him a lot of pop. It's like, see, I'm not such a unbiased. I'm, I'm unbiased. I'm not such a bad guy. And I was like, I was really gassing up Chris Herndon three years ago, and, and he hurt me. You, you know? were putting and diesel fuel into him when he needed uh, super unleaded. That's, that's my theory. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe a fresh start does something for Herndon because there really was a good skill set there and he could block and he, he made a lot of big plays in a 2018 they uh, have one of the jets offensive coaches over there i forget off the top of my head who who it was who it is but that's that's there is a connection let's head over to the kicker club and this is a story that uh we don't know how to make sense of it really over in the kicker club because we always like to have a kicker on every team that's like one of the things that we're into hit it grave digger um dan campbell Maybe he's like a John Mellencamp guy. Maybe he's a guy I don't like. I don't set foot in the kicker club. I don't like that electronic dance music. You could totally see that with Campbell. Uh, because the Lions have released Zane Gonzalez and Randy Bullock, Big Bone Randy. So with about 10 days to go before the season starts, the Detroit Lions do not have a kicker. Now, these things could be quickly uh fixed in the NFL. There's always kickers floating around, including Kai Forbath, and some people might say Kai's Kai. Why don't you go check out that game tape with Dallas a couple years ago. Uh, Don't look at the Rams tape from last season. There are kickers out there. The Lions are going to have one soon. I would say there are a lot of things if you're a Detroit Lions fan to be concerned about. This one, calm down. Everybody's getting their shots in on the Lions because that's fun, but everything's fun. That's coming from the kickers club. They're a little spoiled. They're a little spoiled. You know, they had they had the strong leg of Matt Prater for a while. And now it could yeah. be like a next level um, gaming the system move. Like no one's going to pick up either one of these guys. So uh, let's just use that roster spot to get players we do want, like picking up. They're going to be high on the waiver wire and they're going to get some veterans. And then they'll just like re-add one of them in a couple weeks or in, in a week or whatever. There, there's some cut, some interesting cut kickers out there. I guess we we'll get to that. Maybe the Lions. Or maybe the Lions will just uh, 
like have their safety kick the ball like the Texans did over the weekend. I don't know if you saw that one. That was a little disrespectful. Yes, that was it was cool. a kicking community. They just had Eric Reed be their kicker. They they could also go the route, and this a lot of this depends on Jared Goff and I guess I don't know T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, but they could do what the Packers did last year and just not kick field goals. I I read <laughs> earlier today, just kind of ran into it, it that Mason Crosby only had 16 field goal attempts last year. How is that possible? <laughs> He made them well, all, by the way. Good for him. And he also had 63 point after uh, kick attempts, wow. making 59 of 63. Uh, 16 field, field goal attempts. The, the Lions might have 16 field goal attempts by October, right? <laughs> that would be say, a fun experiment, though. If ever there was a team to do it, it's the Lions. Let's just play four down football for a year and see what happens. Hmm, I, I mean, like we, could, right. we could test. Who is that? That high school coach who used to go for it? Right. Refused to punt? We'll pu- they'll punt. They'll punt. But, like, we're, we're not going to kick any field goals. Right. If, yeah, if you're stuck in, like, a fourth and 24 at the 20-yard line or 30-yard line or something, then go for it, man. What do you got dicey. to lose? <laughs> a draft pick? All right. Anything some guys else? Getting kicked, well, some guys getting booted out of the kicker oh, club. I mean, how about the money badgers? Gone. No more. Uh, There's a guy the Lions could pick up. Money badger. What happened to Money Badger? Bad camp? He's, he's cut. Bad camp. I forget mm. who beat him out, but he was getting beat all, all camp. And um, Nick Folk also got cut. Very surprising. Uh, Erica Tamposi's uh, favorite uh, player, new player. Oh, my gosh. As uh, my phone goes off. Come on. I mean, this is just embarrassing. That's amateur hour. I mean, and that might be confusing because, like, Erica's only into the guy because he's a hot dude. And you would, th- you would think that wouldn't matter to an Erica Tamposi, but apparently it did. She got she fell head over heels. We also missed, like, five kicks in one right. of the preseason games. Uh, but they said he bounced back well from it, so they got they got rid of Nick Folk. And, uh, yeah, Tristan Vizcaino, by the way, is the Chargers kicker who beat Wait, out, how about this? Just hear me badger. out on this. Hear me out. Hear me out. What if Bill Belichick's going crazy? And, like, nobody knows yet. <laughs> And he's doing all these different things like cutting Cam Newton and getting into fights with the defensive player of the year, Steph Gilmore. And, you know, now this situation. What if he's going he's going mad? It just hasn't leaked yet. Seth Wickersham's not writing the profile until like November. That'd be pretty cool. Like mad in what way? Just like he's an old like, man who just just to, to use some like dated like parlance like uh, he's losing his marbles. Yeah, he's getting up there a little bit. <laughs> Nobody wants to say anything because he's Bill Belichick. Just is it a possibility? Just I don't think so. Uh, Sean Payton, finally, uh, in the news, Sean Payton uh, said that it is very possible that the Saints begin their season on the road in week one. They're supposed to uh, start the season at home, but Payton said that the Saints are leaning towards staying in doubt the Dallas area for the next several weeks until they are able to return home following the destruction of Hurricane Ida. And there's a good chance they will host their week one game scheduled for September 12th against the Packers in Dallas or elsewhere if they are unable to get back into the Superdome. So we're continuing to track that. The Saints in flux again with hurricane-related business. I know. It reminds me of 2005 where I always give Jim Hazlitt a ton of props for how he handled that situation with grace uh, and leadership, like leading that team. I don't think... It sounds like they, you know, the Superdome didn't take um, a lot of damage. Right. Um, but the city, you know, doesn't even have electricity back. You know, my heart, 
kind of breaks for that. And and the Saints thing, it's like, well, what does the Saints really matter in the scheme of things? It's like, it's a bummer. That is about as football mad a place as possible. And what a good, you know, distraction that would be. And Peyton, yeah, seemed to use the wording the first quarter of the season um, that they would stay in Dallas. But they cannot play at Jerry World this Sunday or in week one rather because there's some concert that's a conflict and the NFL now has a rule that they have to play at an NFL stadium so they can't do what they did last time and just like play at TCU or play some other I I don't know so they're they're looking for uh was it COVID related maybe I yeah I I have no idea what it is but it looks like they'll probably play two it you know at, at this point it looks like they're planning to play two two games uh not in New Orleans, and then they'll hang out. They're going to practice in Dallas. It looks like, regardless. Yeah, and to I, talk about adding to you know what was already going to be a difficult transition year for them on the field. Now you got to take them out of you know their home two weeks before the season starts. It's going to be tough. They yeah they have road games at Carolina and New England, and then they're back uh, against the Giants uh, October third, which is Week Four. Another road game and a bye. So I guess they would. Probably hope to return for a Halloween game. You know, it would be the best case scenario against uh, the Bucks. That's the only the only bright side is it'll be that'll be a great atmosphere when oh yeah when Big time when they do get back celebration whenever it does happen. You want to throw out some just like random other well, I just cuts wanted, that cut my yeah, eye? Yeah, I wanted to mention one more thing, Greg, before we do that, uh, because we had meant to, to hit on it. So let's just get caught up with the Deshaun Watson situation. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports the Texans are not expected to trade Watson uh, by the league's 4 p.m. Eastern roster cut down deadline. That has not happened. Uh, so he's not moving, and uh, it's... Sounds likely he's going to end up on the 53-man roster, but more than likely be inactive every week of the season, at least until there's any movement on the sexual assault allegations from more than 20 women facing the quarterback. So we hadn't really touched on that, uh, Greg, in a week or two. That's where Watson's at. There are some reports out there still. It keeps popping up with certain teams that might be interested in a trade for Watson right now. But as it is right now, he is a Houston Texan. I didn't believe those those trade rumors. I, I I really thought people are doing tech, either the Texans or Deshaun, more likely Deshaun Watson's business, and making these reports out to be something more than they are. Now, it, based on everything we know, it sounds like the Dolphins had some level of interest at some point, and. What I think happened is that now they're pushing these reports out, like trying to push someone else to top those reports. I just don't believe it. I don't believe a team is going to trade for Deshaun Watson, no matter how much Deshaun Watson wants to get traded. I just don't think as cynical as the NFL can be, I don't Mm. think it could be this cynical that they're going to like build like it was getting into these weird conditions of like, well, maybe they would make conditional picks based on like how much. Uh, you know, jail time, not jail time he gets, but like based on how much he was punished by the league or by what happens in the case. It's like, come on, man. You don't have to pass these these trial balloons on. I just don't buy it. I don't think any other NFL team is considering, would considering it, and they're waiting for the NFL or the legal system to act. Yeah, I think that's the result that we, you know, the the solution, the temporary solution that we get uh, from this whole thing is when the NFL acts on it. Until then, we're in, kind of waiting in this gray area, which allows for these types of reports to come out and and for this conversation to continue when ultimately he 
probably should just stay where he is off the field until we get some sort of resolution. Right. There's a, there's another conversation of like, should he get paid? Should the Texans have him on his roster? This, that, or the other. But the criminal case is like really important here. The, he, there's also a criminal case with 10 women. And it's like, how could, I don't, I just don't see it. I want to believe it too, Greg. I, my, my honest feeling is that there is a team or teams more likely that are monitoring this extremely closely and um, the only reason they're probably not wading into it right now and making an aggressive offer is not the legal situation so much, but the PR hit and the fallout that they would take from that. So it's scaring them off. I just wonder, and I'll use the Dolphins as an example, and I'm not saying the Dolphins are seriously considering it, but let's say it's week five and uh, Tua, his passer rating 71. You know, like things like that would that spur action uh on the trade market because we know the way the legal system works with this it's not moving at the same speed as the season is approaching us uh so there's a good chance we'll go deep into the season and watson will remain in limbo is there a team that gets impatient and just says screw it let's go for it and deal with the pr fire to come we'll see we'll see or the nfl gets involved which is certainly something that could happen or should happen and puts the guy out of the mix for the time being with an exemplist designation. And then this isn't floating because this is on some level a self-made story by the NFL, which I think we're all a little bit puzzled about still, but it is what it is. Right. I, and I still, I guess you're right that that's possible. I guess I'm, I still think they're going to wait for the police to act, not even the civil case, but they, they need to have some sort of clarity. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, all right. Do we want to now? Let's get back to uh, football stuff. Anything else you guys wanted to throw out there? Shook. Did you see anything that popped up uh, that interested you? Whether it's a, a pup designation or a cut or a signing, anything out there? Fans of the 2018 draft, uh, specifically the 10th pick, will be pleased to know that Josh Rosen made the 53-man roster in Atlanta oh. after playing all of. One game with the Falcons. He got a promotion. He was yeah. fourth string in San Pretty Francisco. Good. He's, he's and, the backup now. Although and, with the, this whole week before the season starts, you do um, worry if you're if you are a Rosen fan that you could see like a transaction in two days that he was yeah. cut because they found an upgrade. But that's why this podcast <laughs> exists, so we can talk about it now before he's gone. Whenever he leaves, if it's two days from now or whenever. <laughs> it's funny he did play that, and it wasn't like it was the greatest half ever. I think he had a sack no. fumble on like the first series or whatever, but. Um, when I read the next morning, I did not watch the game, but the next morning when I read what turned into like a flowery profile about the, the rebirth of Josh Rosen, that was what the gamer was, I believe on ESPN or the Associated Press. I was like, whoa, there's something cooking here. This agent deserves a raise because he went from a total disappearing (laughs) act in San Francisco to getting a puff Sunday puff piece written about him overcoming the odds here last night. (laughs) I think it was last night. I found myself in a quiet moment thinking about Josh Rosen and thinking about wow, we've wow, all been there. You know, you know, <laughs> this could be the situation that he needs to be in. You know, we don't know that right. Arthur Smith is a great developer of quarterbacks, but perhaps if he spends enough time learning from Matt Ryan, he can develop into a similar quarterback, and his career could be worth something after all. And then I thought. All right, where am I going? What time is it? I got to get out of here. This is bad. All those, all those uh, chuckleheads like me who like gave the Bills a bad draft grade and love that Cardinals move to to, to mm. cheaply move up for Josh Rosen. Sorry about that. How about how about a little punter trade? Uh, the whole buzz this preseason was that Johnny Hecker was not going to make the Rams. Uh, made makes a lot of money. 
uh, was losing a battle to Corey Barorquez, I think is, is how you pronounce it. Um, but no, punter trade. They sent Barorquez packing over to the Packers. <laughs> Conditional uh, late round pick swap, sixth for a seventh. This guy has a a bomb. I was there for the one of the preseason <laughs> games. I watched some of the Rams preseason. Oh my gosh, he could he can kick it like seventy six yards. But they kept Hecker, which should keep like the you know. There's not many like long time Rams favorites, and so it's nice. I'm glad Johnny Hecker is. To Hecker got a good arm on him. Uh, it makes you wonder what's going to happen with J.K. Scott and whether his most recent and perhaps most memorable highlight will be. Getting juked out on a punt return. Oh, that's right. The Packers. Punters injured. like punters matter. Um, I don't know. A good punter can really change your team. That's a nice deal for the for the Packers. Here's let, here's some big names that surprised me so let far. Let me just Was add it, one thing, by the way. Yeah. Um, everybody knows the kicker club, but a reminder but that there is the punter's punch bowl mixer. It's at the local gymnasium, and they have a bunch of uh, balloons. And, yes, a nice punch bowl and a, a full hoagie. It's a six-foot-long hoagie and a dance floor that plays records, mostly from the 50s. Uh, but it's all there for the punters. Go ahead. Hecker's got to MC that thing. He's got a lot of personality. He's been around for, he's one of the all-time greats. Are there cupcakes at this mixer? <laughs> yes, yes. There are cupcakes, of course. What else, Greg? How about John Brown didn't make the Raiders? That surprised Surprising. me. He yeah. still looked like he could play last year. But so, here's the thing. Sometimes people are like, oh, that's crazy. But sometimes, like, it, it's like you said, things change each year. It's like sometimes the guys show up and suddenly they can't play. You can't or play the guitar. You know, they're just not. Because the, the John Brown, even of 2020, looked like like he would be maybe the best or the second best receiver on the entire Raiders team. But he didn't make the team. Uh, Jordan Howard got cut. And then one thing I just want to point out, because we never mentioned it throughout the whole preseason, Tyler Huntley won the backup job in Baltimore. That's no surprise over Trace McSorley, who got cut. Um, if you watch him play, Tyler Huntley looked good. He was kind of the preseason MVP. Mm. I don't know. If Lamar Jackson got hurt, Ravens fans know what I'm talking about. They didn't win that. They didn't break that record because of Lamar Jackson. They broke it because of Tyler Huntley. They might have something here with Tyler Huntley. Maybe a little like... You know, Tyrod Taylor, late round or undrafted type of guy who ends up carving out, you know, a nice a nice career like Tyrod did uh, when they when they found him a long time ago. And any Pac-12 fans will remember Tyler Huntley's days at Utah very fondly. So, you know, in case of emergency, break glass, pull out the former U. I'm saying like if there's another Lamar Jackson, you know, God, no, you better not go on the COVID list again. But if, if he misses a game and there's like a Wednesday matinee against the Steelers, I have a, I think it'll be more watchable this year with Tyler Huntley. Yeah, than our G3. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else, Shooky? No, I think that's it. Greg? Yeah, we handled it. Tavon Austin made the, uh, oh, yeah. the Jaguars. I mean, we're, we're kind of at the end there. But you just, know, he's, he's hung around pretty good for a guy that was a first-round <laughs> bust. The fact that he's still collecting paychecks is pretty good. The and reason I, I mentioned him at... Yeah, I wrote a debrief, you know, just kind of a quick roundup today of these. And the reason was just like, wow, the names that he made the team over in Jacksonville. I didn't know they were all there. Laquan Treadwell, former first-round pick. Philip Dorsett, uh, Super Bowl hero and former first-round pick. Pharaoh Cooper, former first-team All-Pro. I don't know if you remember Pharaoh Cooper. Colin Johnson. There's just like a lot of guys over there in Jacksonville. Tavon beat them all out. Desmond Trufant cut by the Bears. A very steep decline yeah. for him. That was that was surprising. They are really young at cornerback. Like the Rams, have to be looking at week one feeling pretty good there. And uh, finally, this happened actually uh, two days ago. But let's make sure we get it in the show. The Cardinals part ways with safety, Chris Banjo. 
Turns out he couldn't play the guitar. Oh, oh. Woo! This is like Dan's uh, moment that like Adam Schefter had where people got on him for like fist bumping uh, by breaking a guy getting released and they were like, that's insensitive. That's insensitive. <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> but while we're talking guy. Cardo's secondary, my guy Malcolm Butler may retire. We just don't know. So it's um, a little uh, strange timing wise, but Mike Garofolo reported that. That would, that would be a shame or it, something's going on there that was personal that he didn't want to get into. Garofola broke this story, but they were counting on him to start and gave him money to start and that he's been away from the team for a minute now and may not may not be coming back. That would be a sad way to end. I, I, I hope he comes back at some point. Come on. The Super Bowl hero. All right. There you go. That is... ATN guest, by the way. I missed the show somehow, but do you remember? You know, you had him in the studio. Who's that? Malcolm Butler? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was good. We had a nice conversation with Malcolm. I interviewed him in that locker room right after the game. And it was, uh, even as a Patriots hater, he was an easy guy to root for. And you could just see the look in his face. Like he hadn't yet processed what had happened in that game. His legacy is secure. He'll be all right. He's the the old, he'll never have to buy another drink again in that town. All right. But is that actually true? Probably not. All right. I don't know. For some guys that hang around, I feel like. Hey, hey. Hey, you know, Butler you'll shed. never have to buy another meal in that town. <laughs> yeah, it say. is one of those things everyone says, and does that ever actually Let's happen? Let's test it. People are resentful of millionaire athletes. They're like, I'm not, but yeah, you should be buying me drinks. I, I will say Sunday it. night last week after the Browns preseason game against the Giants, I walked down the street, and who was having dinner outside with a couple of people? Oh. Bernie Kozar. Cannot confirm whether he paid for it or not. Now, Bernie, He's beloved. the ultimate, Don't yeah. doesn't have to pay for exactly. it. Ultimate. Hmm. Okay, good. Shook, thank you, buddy. And as a reminder, Nick Shook, not only uh, hugely personable and in excellent physical condition, is a lifeline for us on Sunday nights during the season in our recap of every game that is played during the season. So, Shooky, you will be back with us. Hard to believe, Nick, but a week from Sunday, uh, we're back with our Sunday night recaps. Uh, hitting up every game that was played in the week that was and looking forward to it, Nick. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, of course. You know, it hit me this week with the cuts that um, that were basically here. And I'm excited for it because, mm. you know, as much as I know Greg loves watching every player number 88, 89, and 90 on the roster in the fourth quarter of a no, week two preseason game. Come on, that. just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> uh, I know we're all excited to watch yeah. the actual legitimate players for a full four quarters. And, and like, we're expecting you. We're not gonna. We're probably not gonna be in the studio week one. Sounds like week two is a more likely target. You know, they are opening up the the building. We're expecting you to commute, Nick. I know you're oh, yeah. in Cleveland, but just, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll fly coach. Um, let's see. Oh, they'll pay. We're we're a huge operation now. There's no money is too much to time. spend on our podcast, well, especially in that brand new studio. You know. Yeah. Apparently, there is tech that allows that to happen uh, seamlessly, we're being told. Um, so, look, oh, that's all exciting. And I apologize to Chris Banjo and his entire family <laughs> entering the league as an undrafted free agent in 2013. And here he is fighting for jobs eight years later. Yes. Only, only apologize if you, if you cut it for social because, like, the celebration <laughs> dance was even, even worse than the sounds. <laughs> 
It's like when um, John Cena had to apologize in Mandarin for saying something that offended uh, the people of the region. Um, all right. What? Okay, that's it. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday unless something else crazy pops up. Um, but uh, thank you for everybody for listening. Until then, heed the call. Tight 47. We have this meeting in one minute, right?